verse of scripture out of the book of Philippians. If you would go to Philippians chapter 1. I have preached out of this verse, or in these verses in this chapter, a number of times. I'm not sure how turned loose I'm going to get this morning because of my voice, my energy level, but who knows? The Holy Spirit will probably get a hold of me and I'll go somewhere. But uh, pray for Jordan and Brittany. Uh, Jordan was released a little while ago or, or sometime around now, I think. So uh, released from the hospital down there in Vanderbilt. So pray for them as they get ready and prepare to come home. And uh, pray for continued healing in his life. Uh, but I thought uh, the song she sang was fairly appropriate for what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, if you look at verse 12, now I'll read more than verse 12, then I'm going to comment a little bit. But I would. Ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. There was a mountain in Paul's life. There was difficulty there. I was thinking the other day as I was praying about the service today and what to share with the folks and what to share with you to preach. I went to a lot of things, but one of the things I just kept thinking about going over in my mind, that we have a great opportunity right now in front of us, <coughs> tremendous opportunity, because of the things that are going on. I, Jenny and I both noticed, and her witnessing, and mine as well, people are troubled. Uh, People are concerned, not only for the world, but for the United States, for our local area as well. And uh, that's a tremendous opportunity to share the love of Christ and the love of God. And how he can take away all the fears. Now, I don't know why we go through what we go through. I don't know why we suffer what we suffer. Uh, some people will say it's because of sin that we've committed, but I say no, not necessarily, because I don't believe that God can bring evil things on us because God's not evil. I like to put the credit where credit's due, it's the devil. It might be the basis of sin, because sin entered into this world, death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so we're born and shaped in iniquity. In sin our mothers did conceive us, that we have the sin nature within us. And so we cannot expect anything other than sin dominating our mortal bodies. We cannot expect anything other than disease or heartache or sickness to come our way because it's going to. 
Sometimes we, and I was speaking to someone here not too long ago, and they were asking God, why me? And I didn't want to delve into a lot of things, but I, but I did ask the question, why not you? Why, what have you done that this wouldn't happen to you? What have you done that this wouldn't come your way? Because I think if we would all measure ourselves up to God's standard, we'd all come up very short and very wanting in our lives. We try and do good, we try and be good, we try and uh, say good things, but why not? And I answered that person with that idea. I said, I've never asked that question in my life, Lord, why me? But sometimes I ask him, why now? What am I to do through this situation? What am I to do in the midst of this situation? What am I to do when I do face that mountain that Casey sang about? What am I to do when I do face that situation in my life to where there's an obstacle, there's a problem? And I see in people's lives when they've lost loved ones or when they've uh, had difficulty in their life, and the thing that most people do is that most people, now some people will turn and run and go the other direction. Some people will get mad at God. Some people will give up on God. But I'm not sure that those are true believers. And I'm going to say that with understanding and realization that that can happen. But if true believers will get closer to God because, uh, or let me go back and say that sometimes carnal Christians don't know which way to run. Sometimes people who aren't very spiritual don't know which way to go. And so they go in the easiest direction that they might find. And the easiest direction that they might find might be away from God rather than to God. Because that's a difficult way to go. Because you're faced with things as you go there. You've got to examine things as you go there. Paul was preaching the gospel. Paul was living out the gospel. Paul was under arrest. Paul was uh, being convicted for preaching the gospel. And, and he thought about all of these things that he was facing. And he considered all of the things that he was going through. And he said, I've come to a conclusion. That the things that I'm going through have come to me because of the furtherance of the gospel. The things that I'm facing in my life right now have come to me for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, I could go back and say, that rascal deserved to be put in prison. I mean, he was persecuting Christians for a long time. He was standing over them while they were being stoned. He would have papers in his pocket to go out and arrest Christians and persecute them and take them and put them back. I don't know about y'all, but somebody do that. He ought to be in jail. Amen. But then what about us? Sometimes in our life, and I could look at his life and say in other, in other circumstances that Paul would 
uh, would even say in, in some, uh, let me go over, I wasn't going to do this, but let me, I just thought of this. And every now and then I think of things. You all don't get that, did you? In chapter 4, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. There's something growing inside of Paul. There's something growing inside of all of us to see where we are and the circumstances that we're facing and, and the things that we're going through, that there's a reason for us being there. And that reason is not always a negative reason. It might be a reason, as Paul would come to the collusion in chapter 1, verse 12, for the furtherance of the gospel. These things have happened to me that I might be able to share the gospel more with other people and in other ways. Boy, I, I could look at some people's lives and I could mention some people right now and, and I could say I'd much rather them not have to have faced what they faced. I'd much rather them not to have, have to gone through what they've gone through but had they not gone through those things, they would not be the people they are today. I would, I would rather have not gone through a childhood like I went through. I would rather have not gone through the, the, the misery of what we had gone through as a, as a young person and as a child, but it's what made me who I am today. And it's still doing something in my life is still creating things in my life. I've been able to do things with my life that in ministry and in preaching and, and dealing with people and, and understanding what people are going through that had I not suffered the things that I suffered, I would have no idea of how to communicate. I'll never forget my, my oldest sister one time. Her husband was a pastor and still is. My sister's gone in heaven. Several years ago, I, I think it was their first child. No, second, third, third child. Bonnie was pregnant. She went to Hill's department store and was shopping. A lady rammed into her with her buggy and into her belly tore the cord loose from the baby, and the baby died inside of her. And she had to carry that baby for several weeks before they would take the baby out of her. Sometime before that happened, there was a lady in their church that had lost a baby came to my sister and said, can you help me? I don't know what to do. I don't know what, where to turn. And, and Bonnie tried her best to talk to that lady. And one day her and I was talking and Bonnie said, Joe, I didn't know what to say because I've never lost a baby. I've got three lives. And I've never lost a baby. And just a few weeks later, Bonnie lost a baby. I went down to the hospital to see Bonnie 
while that baby was still in her, right before they were getting ready to take that baby out. She looked up at me, tears in her eyes, and said, Joe, I know what it's like to lose a baby now. I can help somebody else. I don't know why we go through the things that we go through, but it helped Bonnie. She did counsel people after that on what it was like to lose a child. For a woman, you know. For you that have had children, you know. For you that may have lost children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I have no idea. But you know how devastating that can be. But I do know this, that God can turn those negative situations into a powerful situation if we let him. Paul was facing death. <clears throat> he was facing things that he had never faced before in his life. And he could have said and said, I don't know why this is happening to me. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm, I'm doing what I need to be doing. And here they're picking on me. Here, God, you could change this situation if you wanted to. And God said to him, <clears throat> Paul, hush up. I want to make your situation better. And I want to use your situation for my glory. The mountain that we face, God, if you'll just help me get through this situation, if you'll help me get over this mountain, if you'll help me get around this mountain, if you'll help me deal with this situation that's in front of me. And I've never seen a person yet who does not deal with that, who does not become a much stronger Christian, a much more influential Christian, a much more powerful testimony, a much more powerful story to be able to tell, to be able to communicate, to be able to have the single-mindedness and that and, and we have, we're missing a tremendous opportunity within our lives by not dealing with the situation. We can't change that situation. We can't do anything about that situation. But we can do something about the way we deal with it and the way we handle it and the way we get through it. We can occupy till he comes. When I was in Mexico, excuse me for a second. If I swallow my cough drop, well, I was going to ask Danny if he knew mouth to mouth, but I'd rather have somebody else. Um, Jenny, you'll come up, won't you? <laughs> she didn't answer either. <laughs> When I was in Mexico, and we flew down there to do mission work and missions of mercy, 
We took food into orphanages down there. And we were arrested by the Mexican army and surrounded. We were held for five and a half hours out in the middle of the Sierra Madres. And it was hot. We didn't have any water. And I'd stopped in town in Matawala and bought a bag of cookies. And I hesitated about that because there were roaches about that long crawling all over the cookies. But I figured I was hungrier than they were, so I got them. Took a bag of cookies with me. Because, well, if any of you know me by now, you know that I have the munchies. I eat about all the time. I've got to be eating on something constantly. Uh, just about. So so I, I was munching on those cookies. And so the way you get over that is just don't think about the roaches that were crawling on them before I had, you know, just block that out of your mind. But anyway, but we were being, we were surrounded by the Mexican army. There was about 10 of us there. And, and so they had weapons. They set up radio communications. Folks, these people were setting up for the long haul. We could tell. We had no shelter, no place to get in uh, and out of the sun. And so a couple of the people said, I was the only preacher there. And you all know preachers. We're stupid. Uh, we just, we don't know any better. And, and so we, they said, what are we going to do, preacher? And I said, we're going to occupy till he comes. Because we didn't, we didn't know if we were going to make it out of there or not. Because these people had us surrounded with big old weapons and everything. They could have shot us, rolled us over in the ditch and forgot all about us. But I said, we're going to occupy till he comes. We're going to take up space here. We didn't say, God, why us? We're down here doing mission work. What are you doing to us? Well, why, what are we into here? And, and so, but God saw that there was a young Mexican army out there in the middle of nowhere that we went to to see an orphanage that was there to take kids some food to an orphanage. I was supposed to preach that night at that little mission church where the orphanage was, and, and we're being arrested and held by the Mexican army. And I said, we're going to occupy. I don't know if I'm going to get to preach tonight, but I'm going to preach here in just a little bit. They may kill us, but we're going to go uh, kicking and scratching, and we're going to tell them about Jesus. And so we gave them tracts, and we gave them all kinds of things. And for about three and a half to four hours, those young men were standing out guarding us, reading gospel tracts, and reading Spanish New Testaments, and when they did let us go, I was taking pictures. I've got pictures somewhere. And they said, no pictures, no pictures. I said, okay. <laughs> and and so, uh, so I was taking pictures. And so if I can illustrate this, uh, they were, there was a bunch of us walking away. And we were going this way. And I had my Canon EOS camera. And, uh, and so I said, you all huddle around real close. Because if anybody finds us and finds our camera, they'll know what happened, all right? 
And so I was walking backwards, taking pictures. And as I was walking backwards, there was a Mexican soldier I passed right here. And he looked at me. And he was one that I gave a Spanish New Testament to. And I grinned at him, and he grinned at me and went, Gracias. And I said, fellas, for no other reason, we're here because of that young man there and because of other young men around, standing around us that heard the gospel, that saw the gospel. We sang Father Abraham with all of the motions. They thought those gringos were crazy. No doubt. They turned us loose. Somehow, word got back to America, back to Jenny and them, that we were being held, arrested. I don't know how it got back to them. But they prayed for us up in that area, in West Virginia, Kentucky. I don't know why things happen to us the way that they do. But we can possess those things. We can take control of those things. We can, we can, we can grasp hold of it and do something with it. We can take what we've gone through, as tragic as what it might be, and help the next person out. And as we help that person, as we grow in the midst of the situation that we're in, we don't realize it and we don't see it sometimes, but there's tremendous growth that comes in our life and spiritual life and it gets easier and it gets easier and we get stronger and we get stronger and we get more influential and we get more uh, credibility to who we are as Christians. We get more people listening to us as Christians that, that hear the story of us as Christians and if we go around in this society with frowns on our face and fretting about everything that's going on. I want to tell you something. God is bigger than the governor of Virginia. God is bigger than the Senate of the United States of America. God is bigger than the President of the United States. God is bigger than glory. It's feel like preach. God's bigger than any king or any prince. God is still on the throne of heaven. And God is still in control of everything that's going on. I'm trying to tell you that we're serving the one that created all of this. And controls all of this. And, and, and puts his stamp of approval on all of it. And he leads and guides as he wants to. Is it difficult? Yes. But I want to tell you, and are you a witness to this yet, that no matter what I've gone through in life, God's grace has been sufficient for me. And God's love has been uh, ideal for me. And God's mercy has been great for me. It is difficult. But God's bigger than the situation that I'm in. God's bigger than what I go through. And it might be that you're going through it for a reason. All of us must face difficult situations. All of us. All of us. Verse 21. Then we'll quit. 
Everything came down to this in a nutshell. Paul said in verse 21, For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Paul was saying to me, it might not be for you right now. You might not be there yet. You might still be in the hurting. You might still be in the wandering. You might still be in bewilderment. You might still be in discouragement. But Paul had learned. Remember I read to you in chapter 4. That whatever state that I'm in, I've learned to be content. Here in chapter 1, verse 21, he says, For to me, See, he made it personal. He didn't just throw it out there for everybody. But he said, for to me, to live is Christ. If what I'm going through in life is for Christ. Because he directs my path. He leads me and guides me. Now, if he's doing that, that's the right thing. But if he's not, if you're just out here wandering around and going in your every direction that you want to go, being blown by every wind of doctrine, then that's your fault. If you're facing things that you've strayed from the path, and you're, you've done things, and you're going out on your own, then that's your fault. But even in that, wherever you are, God can use you. God can use you. Paul says, for me, for to me to live, that where I'm at, because I'm following him. But where I'm at, he may lead me to prison. But where I'm at, he may lead me to a hospital. But where I'm at, he may lead me to difficult situations. But where I'm at, and following God, for to me to live is Christ. That in every one of my situations, that in every one of my difficulties, that in every one of my problems, for to me to live is Christ. If I live here in the midst of these, I think I told you about this one several years ago. I had trouble with acid reflux a lot with esophageal problems. And, and uh, I'd wake up at night coughing, you know, with the acid that would come up in my throat. And and uh, and and so, I. But then times my esophagus would cramp. Did Jason ever hear, have that problem? Yeah. And my esophagus would cramp, and they thought I was having a heart attack. They thought it was my gallbladder. They thought this and that. And so, uh, by the time I get to the doctor to the hospital, it'd be over. And 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 at the hospital, they had some kind of a green. Slimy looking junk. You know what I'm talking about, Judy? <laughs> Boy, that stuff was a miracle worker, though, you know? And if you didn't go ever had that stuff, that stuff's from God, I'm telling you. Uh, uh, it was a green, slimy looking junk, and they said, Here, drink this. And they drunk it, and hey, I'm ready to go. And, and so the doctor told me one time, said, next time it happens, get to the hospital just as quick as you can. And Jenny and I was wandering around the mall 
there at the Huntington Mall one day, just walking around, and, and it, it hit me, and it would hit me just out of the blue. And we rushed down to the hospital, they put me in an emergency room, they, they took fluids, they took blood, I beat the model, they did everything, you know? And, uh, and so they come back a little bit later and said, Mr. Hutchinson said, you ever had trouble with your kidneys? I said, no. They said, they're on the verge of failure. I said, really? They said, yeah. Said, you ever had trouble with your sugar? No. Your sugar's out of sight. Why, it's way out of sight. I said, I've never had trouble with sugar. They said, we can't figure it out. All your blood work and everything shows that you're in horrible shape, but it has nothing to do with where you're hurting. I said, oh, I'm sick. Oh, well, I was getting sicker by the second. You know. And so they said, well, we're going to put you in the hospital and run some tests on you. And I said, okay, whatever. And so they stuck me in the hospital at about 11 or 12 o'clock at night. You know how emergency rooms go. And uh, I went up there, and there was a guy over in the bed across from me. And it was probably about 11 or 11.30. And by midnight, that man was saved. Prayer, prayer of repentance and got saved. And they left me alone all night. My doctor came in the next morning and said, Mr. Hutchinson, I'm sorry. They messed all of your blood work and stuff up with somebody else. And he said, there's nothing wrong with you. And I said, Doc, what about that poor sick fellow that was on the verge of death that they sent home with my blood work? And he said, they'll find him. <laughs> Now that's a kind of comical way, but why was I there? Because that old man beside of me, God had an appointment. There was God wanted something other than what was going on with me, and He used my life that that man might be saved. And I could tell you other stories, and I could tell you other things, but I'm, what I'm trying to say to you too is that sometimes when things come our way, it might be for the furtherance of the gospel. Don't have a pity party. And I know it's, I know it's tough. Get there if you have to. Whine and cry around a little bit and feel sorry for yourself, but get over it real quick and say, God, I don't like being where I am, but what do you want me to do while I'm here? What do you want me to accomplish for you while I'm here? And Paul would tell us in another place, I'm able to witness to people that I would have never been able to witness to. I'm able to share the gospel with people that I would have never been able to share the gospel to. I'd say that there were Roman soldiers that were chained to Paul under house arrest or in prison that got saved and became soul winners and may even become preachers. We'll find out one of these days. But if we had only knew and only could understand what may have taken place as a result of Paul's tragedy and what he was going through in life, what the situation was. But Paul says, for to me to live is Christ. And if I die, that's game. I'm going to heaven. But while we're here, we have a tremendous opportunity in front of us 
in our community, in our state, in our country, to share the gospel with people with a smile on our face and a confidence in our heart that God is in control. Stand with me, please. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just for a moment. What I said this morning was for some of us. Maybe a lot of us. Maybe just one. But if we get the single-mindedness for to me to live as Christ, while I'm alive, where I'm at, what I'm going through, it's for Christ. What I'm going through is for the furtherance of the gospel. To see Christ. To share Christ. To help others see him. Find him real. We've got a whole bunch of people in our congregation today, right now, that's going through things. You've lost loved ones. You're going through sickness. You're going through trials. You're going through trouble. You're going through decision times in your life. You're recuperating. You're recovering. You're you're getting out of those situations. Gradually, you're coming through it. But how many of you would say to me today, Preacher, I want God to use me where I am right now. I want God to use me in my situation. Lift your hand. Yeah. All over. All over. Yeah. I want my life to be a beacon for somebody that they'll find Christ real. Father, as we come, I pray you'll deal, I pray you'll draw, I pray you'll encourage folks that are here today. I ask you, God, that you would touch their hearts. And I pray, Father, that you would bless, save somebody, reclaim those that are backslidden and different. God, may decisions be made today because today is the day of salvation. The Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We're not promised after a while. We're not promised another breath. We're not promised another moment. We live in the now, right now. We have plans for after a while. We have plans for tomorrow. But God, right now is all we have. And right now, is everyone in here ready to go to heaven? Right now, is everyone here right with God? Father, I pray, bring them to yourself. As we lift Jesus up before them, I pray it in Christ's name. And amen.